0: Well, we have a special edition of the Ron Johnson show today. Uh, Courtney Cronin, uh, former Vikings, uh, ESPN analyst, now Chicago Bears. And so when we first scheduled this interview, it was just to talk about the Bears and the Packers. Packers, uh, odds on favorites of making the playoffs as a seven seed. Bears out of the playoffs. Vikings. So NFC North talk. Detroit Lions finally good. So we were looking for just good football content. And then the Buffalo Bills and uh, Bengals game happens. And as a former player, It's one of those things that throws you off because you don't really know how to react. You don't really know what to say. And you look at players across the world. You look at teams across the world. uh, You look at sports in different countries even that heard about it and see this happening. um, For people to continue to talk about like, oh, players get hurt all the time and so this is not a a get hurt like Mike Utley. I heard that comment and I was a Detroit kid. So I saw Mike Utley get paralyzed and, and that was a traumatic experience as well as a football player seeing a player get paralyzed, but then he gave us the thumbs up. And so in that moment, you're like, okay, yeah, it's the worst injury ever paralyzed. We don't know what's going to happen, but he did give us a thumbs up. So at least we knew he was okay in the moment. He understood what was going on. Uh, he knew what he had signed up for. Uh, And he was trying to give the thumbs up to his teammates to go, you know, continue to play. But DeMar Hamlin didn't do that. He wasn't able to give a thumbs up or to shake hands or to get carted off as players. We've seen gruesome injuries, but we always see that scene of the players following their player to the ambulance or off the field. Everybody's sad, tears, whatever. But that player's letting those players know, hey, go play for me. DeMar Hamlin wasn't able to do that because he was lifeless. And so when you see guys like Ryan Clark, when you see guys like Shannon Sharp get pissed off about tweets, it's a reason for it. Uh, when my dad died in 2018, that, that's one of those things. I look at pictures in my phone to this day of Franco Harris, uh, Mel Blunt, Donnie Schell, uh, Mean Joe Green. Those are iconic pictures, but I'm not I wasn't tweeting those out and sharing those pictures because in that moment I lost my dad. And I think when God created us to be brothers and sisters, if everybody had taken that time, that same amount of time to say, this is my dad, this is my brother, this is my nephew, whatever. I don't think we would have been so worried about the sports world and what was next for the NFL. And what about this game? Oh, are they going to end up in a tie? Who cares? Nobody really cares if they end up in a tie. Like they are both (laughs) winning teams. Nobody cares. Like those players don't care about the wins and losses. And I think that's why so many former players and even analysts uh, are, are kind of upset with the way some of the people have kind of brushed it aside because this, again, this was a person fighting for their life. Um, I, I look at when we look at the Army, the Navy, our veterans, and we talk about PTSD. You see an Army vet or somebody died. This is one of those situations. This has PTSD implications for players because that's tough to see. That's a, It's a freak accident. And so that's why we have to pray for T. Higgins and Demar Hamlin, but as I bring Courtney Cronin in the show, uh, ESPN analyst, she covers the Bears. Um, everybody's been all over this story. Everybody's kind of had their takes, their thoughts. I saw yours on ESPN as well. Uh, but first off, when you saw this happen, Courtney, what was going through your mind?
1: You're terrified for the young man because we don't see stuff like this happen. And it's not to normalize head injuries or gruesome bone breaks and ACLs. Like all that stuff's terrible, Ron. And you and you know that like players, it takes a long time to recover. There's a mental strain. There's the trauma that comes with getting injured in the first place, but we're not prepared for sudden cardiac arrest to happen mm-hmm. on the field. So when you see the urgency in which the first responders are operating with, you know that it's really serious. And then, of course, the wall that players form kind of like linking arms and giving privacy to what was happening on the field. And we know from reports that he was administered CPR for several minutes You're you you just think the worst. And because we have not seen something like this. I know that, you know, there was a situation between the Lions and the Bears back in 1971 when the Lions wide receiver died. Like we think he died on the field. It might have been in the ambulance, but they continued that game on. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different era of the NFL. Not that that's acceptable at all. But my first thought watching this is cancel the game. My God. To the, I just thought, and I know what bothers me the most about this is that the NFL is still doubling down, that they didn't say anything about a five-minute warm-up period. Joe Buck, ESPN Deportes, Westwood won. They all said it. They didn't pull it out of nowhere. And I just think that that's the part where we're so conditioned in football with that next-man-up mentality that – you treated this initially like another injury because, and you can't necessarily fault the NFL. I guess, you know, they're trying logistically. There's a lot of moving parts there. There are a lot of people that things have to go through. They're trying to take the temperature of the teams in the locker room. The smartest thing was everybody back to the locker room. Let's just debrief for a minute, but let's not cool down and get back in the right mindset. The way that that was at least positioned at first, like, You know, I remember tweeting it right then and there. This game should go from a temporary postponement to being called off because Mm -hmm. how how on earth could you possibly ask players to go back out into the arena where that just happened? Um, You know, you've talked about trauma and PTSD and what comes from that. That's why, and I know it I know it really irked a lot of people apparently, and I get really – I might, don't even look at my Twitter right now because the mentions on a clip that was tweeted out for me from around the horn the other day where I said that there's been precedent for this before where we've pushed games back. Mm-hmm. In no way was I equating this to 9-11 itself, but a smart mm-hmm. person can listen to my words and understand that. But in 2001, that's when it happened. It happened after they moved those week two games to the end of the season – the week between the AFC NFC Championship games and the Super Bowl, that's their bye week, they were able to push things back and utilize that. That's exactly what the NFL can do here. 15 mm-hmm. games had to be rescheduled during the COVID season. And there's so, so, like, anytime the NFL wants to say or at least put off the notion that no, we must get these games played, they can move some things around. And that's all I was saying as far as week 18, because I was in you know, I was covering the Bears yesterday, and in talking with a couple players that we had available because they they did a walkthrough. we didn't have open locker room yet, the emotion on these guys that are they're just wearing it because you may you don't need to know Demar Hamlin to feel something mm-hmm. about what happened to your teammate or you know, a brother in arms, whether he's your teammate or not. And I think that's the thing that the casual fan needs to make sure that they realize here. Yes, you you make a lot of money playing football most times. I think that's still, that's another notion that drives me nuts. People, what I've seen, like, oh, they're a bunch of millionaires. We're not canceling work if my family member dies or if somebody that I know has, has cardiac arrest. Right. Violent sport. Yes. Do they know what they sign up for? hundred percent. Do they expect to go out there and have sudden cardiac arrest or some freak sort of accident like that happen that shakes everybody to their core? No. Mm-hmm. So I thought... Honestly, of all people, Aaron Rodgers is the one who said it best when he was on Pat McAfee's show the other day. Why can't we all just take a beat for a minute and step back from this instead of rushing right into week 18 prep? That's what I was getting at because I think there is the need to process and reflect. And if you don't do that, if you are still thinking about this when it's front of mind and it's not processed and sorted out, you're going to not be playing in the right frame of mind, which leads you, which you know, opens up the risk to even further injury. If you're playing football in a timid mindset or if you're not fully locked in, you might not remember your fundamentals and your technique when you're trying to make a tackle. And you mm-hmm. might be playing too high or leading with leading with your head, like all things that could happen that could lead to more injuries, because I'm sorry, like what we saw the other day is trauma like that's what it is i don't understand why it's so hard for so many people to see it as that and see players as human beings and realize hey guys might need a minute from this but you know as we know right now the nfl schedule is moving on for week 18. that's you know i i would imagine the nfl is really taking the lead here from buffalo and cincinnati on how they're going to process this thing through because well, that game, the game that, you know, we were all so excited about on Monday Night Football because it had so many playoff implications, that's kind of hanging in the balance. The NFL is telling everybody go ahead and focus on week 18 and for the Bills, that's getting ready for the Patriots and the Bengals have the Ravens. I just how do you expect these guys? I I, I still don't understand it. And maybe 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 everybody's just so much more so much more tougher than me. I don't know, mm-hmm. Ron, because it's just I don't understand how you can ask players across the league after what happened. To go back out there in week 18. I stand by what I said on that. And I just don't think there's any harm in taking a minute to process something that we've never seen before and going ahead and and picking things back up the following week once we've had some time to digest it.
0: No, you're you're dead on. And so, no, nobody is tougher than you. Uh, I even as I thought about it, and you may, you may, you mentioned the Detroit Lions, um, you know, my dad was unconscious and I didn't know this. So this happened in like 1981 maybe. I don't know. I'd have to ask my mom the exact year cuz I was born in 80. So I literally uh only remember being in the locker room by the time I was probably 6 or 5, I think. And that's also because I saw pictures of sitting on uh uh Mr. Rooney's lap. So the original Art Rooney, I sat on his lap uh in the, in the locker room. I think I don't know if the owners just happened to be in the locker room. It was a it was a celebration type of deal for the Steelers. Um, but that's all I really remember. And so my mom, you know, we did a story for the Players Tribune about my dad. And as my mom's even going through the story about his concussions and, you know, and some of the mental issues he had, um, she talked about a game where he got taken off the field unconscious, Mm -hmm. didn't wake up for a day or so later, uh, was in a coma from a concussion from a big hit. And, uh, they said it sounded not, and and some people sent me articles said he sounded like a car crash, blah, 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 in the stadium. And he loved to hit like that was his thing. And so even that, The Steelers played that game. He was taken off unconscious. Nobody understood what happened. They didn't know if he was going to make it. And the Steelers went about the game. But again, like you said, that was that day and age. That was a different type. That was, I mean, there was literally a movie called Concussion because of how callous the NFL was at times with player safety and health. And so I I totally agree with you. Um, I even, I, I grew up, Bart Scott, love him to death, ESPN analyst, I grew up with him. We played Little League football together. And so with Bart Scott, Guy I love. I I heard him make a comment even about T. Higgins. And this is what people have to understand about Bart. Bart's been this way since we were kids. I've known Bart since we were eight. Uh, Played Little League football together. Ended up playing for the Ravens together. Uh, Bart Scott says something sometimes, and he doesn't always think it completely through. Um, He always tries to lighten the mood sometimes even. And, and, And Bart hates the Bengals. We know that. And so we've seen Bengals comments that he's made, and people were upset about what he said about Joe Burrow last year. I think in that moment, Bart wasn't trying to be malicious towards T. Higgins. I think Bart was trying to say the NFL needs to change, that defenders can no longer attack a receiver. And he was trying to go that way. And then he kind of lost his train of thought, I feel like. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, completely wrong. Uh, But I do feel like part of that, a guy standing straight up kind of feels like, well, I can't go in and attack this guy, so let me just make this tackle. Um, And it's a freak accident. So I think that's where Bart should have went with it. It's just a freak accident. It's one of those things where a guy hits another guy, total like it wasn't even a brutal hit it looked like it was a normal play and he just caught him in the chest at the wrong time and so for all these people trying to politicize it for all these people trying to put their own spin on it at the end of the day it was a freak accident that happened two young men's lives are changed forever two teams lives are changed forever and the nfl is probably going to be changed again like there's going to be new Protocols, whether things are added to the shoulder pads, like it, uh, MLB catchers, they have Noxie approved pads now. Um, so that they take a blow to the chest from a pitcher, uh, the catchers do because of that short stops and third base, they wear them now. They wear chest protectors for that reason as well. And so it, it's, it's a, it's a tough time. Uh, we continue to pray for DeMar Hamlin. Uh, we, we hope that, I mean, cause everybody's like, Oh, I wonder if he'll ever play again. I don't even think people just want him to be alive. Yeah. Like playing again is, yeah. And, and here's where I go with this, Courtney. They just had a CBA agreement. And now you hear players like Dante Stallworth. You see Robert Smith, former Viking, talking about this. Um, the NFL's vested program. So you have to play three years and four games to be considered vested into the NFL. Pension, uh, all the stuff to get the five years after you're done playing. And then there's like, oh, there's disability. And we'll pay you, two, uh, what is like $22,000 a month. But now it's gotten lowered. But when you think about that, I know players, and I'm not going to say names because they still are going through this process in court, but I know players personally that fly out to California, that do the head scans, that do the body and arm scans, and they continuously get denied disability because they're like, oh, well, this wasn't really caused from football or what? how do we not know this was your high school team that did this to you? How do we not know your college didn't do this to you? How can you say this is us? and the the NFL continues to delay, they deny, and then I think honestly they just hope players go away. Like my dad had a case and we know he like when his brain was opened up and we got the results back, it, he had grade 3 CTE. And the NFL is saying like, "Oh, we don't know where that came from." Well, of course, after that, now they're reaching back out to us and, "Oh, we're going to reopen this case." But players shouldn't have to die for their cases to be reopened. And that's why I think some players are like, Oh, well the NFL is doing the best they can to help us out. And then other players are like pissed off because they see the real and I see the real and Mm -hmm. I don't go on, on a soapbox every day and say what the NFL has done to my dad or what I'm dealing with daily, weekly, what my sister has to deal with. Um, But I do think it does have to change. There has to be something for players uh, that when they leave this game, They know the NFL is going to take care of their bodies because this is a brutal good. Not everybody gets Peyton Manning money. Not everybody gets Tom Brady money. There are guys that make, I mean, and I hate to say it like this because people are like, Oh, that's a lot of money, but there are guys that only make like 2 million bucks, but then they don't have a job after two years. So yeah, he made $2 million in two years, but then what does he do after that? Because it's not easy to just go from scratch and get a job that you think is going to take care of the lifestyle that you had for those two years. And I think that's what people forget. And yeah, there's financial uh, universities, all these things, but it's not about that. But Courtney, when the CBA comes up, do you think this is something that will be heavily addressed with players, health and safety, as far as no matter how long you play, we're going to try to take care of you.
1: I think that that's like the part that people like are really wanting to like, know if that's going to be taken care of. Cause I mean, the NFL and like the Buffalo bills and the way that they've handled this with DeMar Hamlin, has been nothing but support. And mm-hmm. We've seen, you know, the, the toy drive, for example, last I checked on Wednesday night, it was almost at $7 million. And that's wonderful. Like that's not a, that's not for him. That's for like the toy drive. Like, you know what I mean? So you, this happened in game, there's no denying it. And of course, like now you think, okay, well, first priority, make sure he can wake up from this, so to speak, because we know he's in critical condition still in the hospital and he's sedated, Make sure he can breathe on his own. Make sure he can live somewhat of a normal life. I mean, you hope for full recovery, but you also hope, like, if you can't get that, you'll take whatever you can get. And, of course, like, you know, these are the type of things that people are going to be watching. Because right now the only thing that matters is making sure he's going to be okay. In the years after this, it's the watch. you got to be critical with the watchdog eye on is the NFL living up to you know, all they said they'd promised to do for this young man and paying for, you know, medical bills, paying to make sure like his, his, not that this matters, but his football career could be over. Mm -hmm. You know, something that like, is like you were saying, like, this is something he'd been working for his entire life. And he's, you know, two years in, he started 14 games this year for them, you know, had, had a really big role after Micah Hyde went down. Like, you know, he didn't anticipate going out there and having this happen to him and that his you know, career could potentially be gone like that. So how is the NFL going to support him as he makes that transition? If, if indeed he can't play football ever again, which again is not the important part right now, but you, when you think long-term about what is going to come out of this, what is going to come for the CBA. And I think a lot of it has to do with protecting players long after they're not providing entertainment for the league anymore.
0: Right. Yeah, And, you, and you're right. I just went to his GoFundMe page. It's a uh, $7.1 million. It goes to the toy drive. And so I know there's been some misinformation even there. Uh, I'm amazed at the people that tweet misinformation and then refuse to delete it because they're like, oh, well, this is what I meant. Just delete it. Like there's so, nothing wrong with deleting exactly, a tweet. Um, Say what?
1: A lot of strange people on Twitter. As we yeah. See. Like, just
0: delete it like yep it was misinformation i am not afraid to delete a tweet i delete and then people do oh why'd you delete it hey because i was wrong like i shouldn't have tweeted it i was completely wrong i didn't understand the situation at the time uh but but (laughs) last one on this is before we move on to the bears and vikings which you know it's even tough to even talk about that and and make that even matter at this point uh but when you look at uh demar hamlin and, and you look at the buffalo bills you look at the nfl and like you said like the the they hope to come to a conclusion but this is where i go you look at ryan shazier you look at uh even antonio brown and his wasn't like he's quote unquote okay like he's crazy but he's okay um but when you look at those situations even antonio brown's gonna need health issue like checkups yearly as he gets older uh ryan shazier gonna need something as because like now this age the money's there you're fine but when you get into your 60s like these guys are gonna need help and that's where i think the nfl uh honestly and these are owners and i hate to say this i think they're scared to put a precedent on stuff like this because then they're like well how many guys are gonna be on the hook for to take care of for life like these guys are making you guys billionaires they should be able to be taken care of um and and i think that's what they forget that this is not something like, and, and, and again, that's why you see so many players tweet. I feel dehumanized. I feel this, I feel that because you do, you feel like a piece of meat. Like I remember going to the combine, having to take all my clothes off and walk across the stage in my underwear. And, you know, and then I see somebody uh tweet, Hey, this is uh some, some, some slave trade thing. And then you see a guy, and I'm not going to use names, uh, but former Minnesota Viking, that tweets like, Oh, Oh, so this is slaves. Now I guess, you know, whatever like slaves get to play on Sundays. It's like, Whoa, what? Like, like, stop trying to, like, defend the NFL and sometimes just understand how some guys feel. And I think that's the problem is so many people are so quick to defend and so many are so quick to attack, and we never listen. If people would listen, they would have understood why so many people were mad about the tweets from DeMar, or about DeMar Hamlin and the situation. Um, but we'll move on. Courtney, um, you do a great job, by the way. I'm, I'm super proud of you. I, I, I get to tell people I used to work with her. Uh, I sit down at a desk with her. Uh, we had inside jokes when we didn't get to finish our segments, like the best ever. Um, so now that you're covering the bears, and I saw you you tweet this too, the Vikings are possibly gonna win 13 games this season. And you now moved on to the Bears. Do you have a little bit of buyer's remorse when you look at like what the Vikings are going through and what the Bears are going through this season?
1: Not at all. I'm in okay. Chicago, Ron, like, you know, like with all due respect. I love Minnesota. Yeah. I do. I think about it all the time. It's an awesome place. I'm in the number three market in the country. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and um, I'm home. Like, that's the reason that like I took this job. I'm home. Like my family's here and I don't have to get in a car and drive six hours to go see my parents. True. And my parents are up there in age too. and you know, I've been in a career path, I've been on a career path for the last, you know, 10, 12 years where you've been trying to get to one destination and be able to put roots down. So Mm -hmm. for me, that's the motivation behind, that was the motivation for me in, in getting here to begin with. But no, I mean, I think it's awesome to get to see what's going on in Minnesota this year after, you know, I covered like the begin, the, the end, like, Mm -hmm. you know, five years of Mike Zimmer and that franchise. And knowing that it couldn't continue where it was going, like, you know, to see what they've been able to do, to see that their plan um, to go out, go about this with the competitive rebuild mindset that Kwesi Adolfo mentioned back in, was it like March? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's cool to see it work out, but in in no way, shape or form am I thinking, man, I should have stayed on the beat. I mean, like as a journalist, you don't think about things like that. Like, is it right. cool to cover Super Bowls? Is it cool to cover playoff games? Yeah, I've done both. Mm -hmm. so i'm not i'm not like i'm not pressed about that at all but i still (laughs) i I think it's really neat when i get to talk about the vikings on a national stage now i mean i've done it a lot on around the horn i did it last week on First i mean that's cool to me because you know when you have a team that you had ties to and that you covered uh for so many years to get to talk about that expertise like you know on a national stage is something that i didn't get to do before so that's cool
0: Yeah. So I have to make sure, too, because I know I'm doing something with Spice this summer out of this house. So I have to make sure we uh, either meet up or get you out there with Lawrence Screedon or something or hang out or something. But so so, Courtney, looking at the Bears as a team facing the Vikings, looks like, you know, they're going to start. Not looks like they're going to start Nathan Peterman. Uh, They have a lot of guys. Sounds like they're not going to play now. Uh, Do you think that not to say they're tanking, but do you think that because they know they're out of the playoffs, players, health and safety, let's get to the offseason, Uh, Do you even think that they're truly – I mean, because we know what Nathan Peterman is. He can make some throws here and there. He can win some games if he needs to. Uh, But do you feel like this is going to be one of the ugliest games when you look at the Vikings' offensive line health issues, uh, you know, making sure Kirk Cousins doesn't get hurt or make sure Justin Jefferson doesn't get hurt playing the playoffs? What do you make of this game?
1: You know, from the Bears' perspective, this is what I expected – um, even though, so like, let's I'll give you a timeline of the field stuff. So he hurts his hip, mm-hmm. his right hip on, on like the first, it was on the first drive or either first or second drive. And I see him on the sideline in the first quarter, getting the Theragun, like the trainers are like massaging and trying to like manipulate his hip a little bit, stretch him out. He was on the the table. He had his tablet and then he went into the medical tent before halftime. So it's like, okay, something's going on here. He played through it. Which was kind of questionable to begin with because the team's down by four touchdowns late mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, and the starting quarterback is still in the game. And of course, the the coaching staff and even Fields kind of reiterated the same stuff of like, "Oh, it's experience, in game reps, nothing like it." Um, and after the game, Matt Eberflus said that if healthy, Justin would play. He kind of walked it back on Monday because, like, he was asked, "Well, you said Justin's going to play, or there, is there anybody else that you're?" Considering either like playing or not playing, and he's and they were talking about well, it's ongoing conversations about everybody, including Justin. So that opens the door right then and there. Like he's probably not going to play because Matt Iberflue said, you know, Ryan Poles. It, to me, the way I looked at it is is Iberflue is said one thing on Sunday. Poles probably got in there and said, you know, let's let's slow our roll on this here. Like I understand from a coaching perspective, you want to win games. It's important what's best for the bears right now is not to win this game because they put themselves in better position. Of course, they're going to have to rely on Houston beating Indianapolis, but if they want that number one overall pick where that which they're in line to get this week, if Houston mm-hmm. loses and they lose too, like the best thing to do is not to play Justin Fields. So I was not surprised at all that on Wednesday, he pops up on the injury report with a hip and he was DNP. And we find out before that, cause they had a walkthrough that he wouldn't be playing. And it's it's the right move. Uh, I think that they should have done this. I think I just think I, I I was fine. If they wanted to play him and get him experience, like in games, that's cool. But he didn't need to be playing when the team's down by 28 points late in the fourth quarter. I thought that that was bordering on the lo- on the line of negligence. But what we know right now is it's going to be a game that lacks a lot of starters for the Chicago Bears. I mean, they just put two offensive linemen, including their starting right guard, on injured reserve. One of their key special teamers went on injured reserve you've had guys like really the onslaught of injuries since week 10, week 11, every week, there's something where guys getting put on IR and you're, and you're having backups play and in, ro- in different roles. And it's, it's not going to be a pretty game by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think at this point, you know, the bears have an eye on the future, which is a wise thing to do because it's off season is going to be busy from free agency to the draft. And if you can improve your draft positioning, it's a smart thing to do, but I will say like, it's not like they made this injury up. Like he had a hip injury in the game. I, it was the first question that came out of my mouth was what happened. Um, We saw you go to the medical tent and he said that he got, it was on a rollout play. He got his hip kind of got twisted. So, I mean, there's validity to it. I just think that there's some bears fans who wonder, well, he was, you know, playing through a shoulder strain earlier, separated shoulder earlier. How come he could play through that, but he can't play through this. It just kind of feels like, you know they are they have picked picked and chosen certain things to 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 latch onto as far as like well this is what we're going to do with Justin this is what we're doing with everybody else like but then again you know at this bottom line they made the smart move by not playing him cuz it not only protects the health of your quarterback which is super important but also being able to to think about the long term and if you can improve your draft positioning why wouldn't you
0: Yeah, and and I totally agree with that too. I mean, at this point, 18th game or 18th week of the season, no chance of going to the playoffs. Getting hurt at this point is the worst because then you're not back at the start of the season, depending on how bad that injury is. Um, Courtney, last one before we get to the Daily Three. Uh, When you look at the Minnesota Vikings, because you've covered covered them before, but I've seen you again on Around the Horn, all the shows talking about the Vikings, because everybody wants to talk about Kirk Cousins. Is he a fraud? Is he not a fraud? Uh, What does Kirk have to do to be considered a real deal quarterback in the eyes of a lot of people. And maybe it's just former players or people that just hate them, but it just feels like when you turn on the TV, um, everybody, not everybody, there's a lot of people that constantly are questioning is Kirk cousins real or is this just a mirage?
1: You know, and that's the thing this year. Like I've given Kirk a lot of credit and I was, I was critical about on him. Like when I covered the Vikings and I think a lot of it was just because You know, people see a contract and they see dollar signs and they see somebody not living up to that. It's it's easy to poke holes and like just because it affected the roster construction, go back Mm -hmm. to 2020 when that extension got signed and what the things that they weren't able to do um, because of that. But now, I mean, anybody who's looking at this team and saying, I mean, obviously, Kirk's had moments like that that stuff is never going to go away. I mean, he is who he is at this age, 33, 34 years old, um, and he's a good quarterback. I think being in a place where he is empowered by the head coach and the front office too, with the weapons that he, they have around him. I mean, my goodness, the TJ Hawkinson trade, that one seemed to, you know, kind of came out of nowhere mm-hmm. um, and It really worked out for them just to be able to have that presence at tight end while Irv Smith had been out. Like Kirk has not been the problem though. I mean, my issue, and this is what I will continue to, to harp on, you know, green Bay has put up 41 points on this team. This defense has a lot of issues. They've given up like routinely 400 plus yards a game. They're giving up massive chunk plays. There's no pass like there, you think The Bears pass rush is bad. It is. Don't get me wrong, Ron, <laughs> but like think about how many defensive linemen like where the sacks are coming from from Minnesota this year. Yeah, not really up front. It's not Zadarius Smith and Danielle Hunter just annihilating everybody. So it's kind of like that to me is the biggest concern I'm going to have with this team in the playoffs. But you know, Kirk's already done what Dak has not done, and I said this last week. He won. He's won a road playoff game. And think what you will about the way that that game ended in New Orleans. Kirk has that on his resume. I think that I just worry about the defense letting this team down because what you when you have the talent to overcome all of these deficits and win scores by one game that by one bit win games by one score. That's great. Eventually, like that's a really tall ask to get teams to do that. And I just feel like they're gonna meet their match in the playoffs. It might not be against the Giants in the first round, but it would certainly be in the divisional playoffs where there's gonna be a hurdle that they I don't think that they can overcome if their defense is playing the way that we've seen these last couple games.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Well, that's Cordy Cronin. I'm Ron Johnson, and I want you guys to remember you can now download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on Roku and amazon fire just go to locked on sports Minnesota when you search in your apps download it, it'll it be right there on your screen get all the videos all the shows and you can actually see courtney cronin because everybody loves to see courtney cronin so make sure you download that app you can also go back and watch the adam thielen interview the cam bynum interview which cam bynum's interview is starting to make a lot more sense now of what he said about harrison smith so make sure you go back and check that one out
1: yeah, check that one out
0: coming up next we got the daily three that's myself sam and courtney it's three questions three minutes each Stay tuned.
2: And really quickly before we get to Courtney and the Daily 3, I'll tell you about betonline.net that brings you today's show. Get all the lines, all the leagues, all the games. It's money lines, spreads, totals. Uh, The Vikings line just keeps going up uh, with Peterman News. Now the Vikings are favored by 7.5 in Chicago, over under 43, which is down from the previous number. Uh, Check that out and plenty more at BetOnline.net. On your mobile device as well, it's Online. It's where the game starts. All right, I've got three questions, uh, three minutes. You guys have split the time. Now, yesterday I asked Ron about one change he wants to see Kevin O'Connell make in his second year as head coach. I want to ask Courtney about Matt Eberflus. What's one big adjustment you think the Bears need to make for year two to be a success?
1: I think it's the scheme defensively because where Iberflus comes from, from you know, Indianapolis, from Dallas, from the Rod Marinelli camp of like trying to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks with four down linemen. It's a scheme that typically doesn't blitz a lot. They've had to do it out of necessity this year because it's. I think the scheme is a little bit antiquated in, in today's NFL. And I also think the, the talent gap that they have up front, like their three technique, is a position they've got to address in the draft because they, they missed out on that this offseason. The edge rushers are not you know, not up to par for where they need to be. And so I think it's a combination of you got to address the defensive line first and foremost, but you also got to tweak what you're doing scheme-wise because you're just not getting pressure on quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, for me yesterday, I did mention the Vikings and what they need to do. And I kind of said, Kevin O'Connell, show us who you are. What is this offense? Are, do you need a running back? And so I feel the same way about Matt Eberflus, And so I was dead set on they don't need to draft a quarterback. And I shouldn't have looked at Twitter, because now some of the Twitter analysts, ESPN people, people that follow the draft, are saying, Matt. and I think some Bears, I don't know if they're Bears beat right, I I wish I was late, you know, you look at Twitter late, but somebody actually gave me a great talking point, and I should have screenshotted it, but I didn't, but they basically pointed out that, oh, you know, and Courtney asked the question, actually they use Courtney, Uh, if Matt Eberflus saw enough in Justin Fields, and he kind of said yes and no. So, Yeah. That leads me to believe that he hasn't seen enough in Justin Fields because if you had, you would have just went with a straight up, yes, I've seen enough, I know what I got. So I do feel like C.J. Stroud and what he does in this upcoming uh, meetings, combine or whatever, uh, that if they can trade Justin Fields and unload him healthy, which is another reason to make sure he doesn't in the season hurt, uh, they can trade him off for some draft capital, not a first-round pick, but who knows what second, third-round picks, and draft a C.J. Stroud because they have the first pick. I, I, I could see them doing that. I don't know if they would keep C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields and treat it like a Trey Lance Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, but what I want to see in year two for him to, like, show what he is, prove what you want to be with this offense. Like, if you want to go get another receiver, go get it because you've got Clay Ch- uh, Chase Claypool. You got rid of uh, uh, Matt Khalil. You got rid of Robert Quinn, I think is who it was. So show us who you are. If you're, if you're going to build this team around the offense like Jalen Hurts has A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, do it. Like, show us what you want to do with this offense.
2: I think it's Khalil Mack, not Matt Khalil. Very different people. I want
0: to
1: say, wait a second. When did that happen? That's
2: a that's a hilarious mistake. That's incredible. But Matt Khalil, good memories. Oh, <laughs> um, that was good. Uh, all right, so Courtney, the Bears have a bajillion dollars to spend in free agency. Let's say that you have the keys. You've got a stack of a hundred million dollars in front of you. How are you going to divvy up that cash? in the free agency market, just, just roughly based on position, I don't need names, but where's that money going to go to, to fortify this roster?
1: I mean, to Ron's point, the day that they traded Mac, that's it, the last March that signified that everything was going to be built around the offense. And I think that that's something that they need to like continue to, to keep at the front of mind, but that doesn't mean that the defense can't be, has to be neglected. Like, and, and to the point that I made earlier, like about, you know what they need to do at three technique like if you have if you have that number two pick you're good you can get Jalen Carter because we know that Houston's not going to draft anybody other than a quarterback but if you decide like you don't want to do that and you want don't want to wait that long I mean you could trade for divorce Buckner he doesn't have any guarantees left on his contract this year Mm. um you know, there's some others. I wrote about this the other the other day uh, at ESPN.com about some, like, potentials that, that happen. I think Deron Payne's a free agent. Um, he's had a, a terrific season this year. Uh, Javon Hargrave as well. I mean, there's options in free agency is what I'm trying to say to to divvy up that position. You got to bring in two to three receivers, and you're going to end up overpaying because the 2023 free agent class that group is not great. Um, you have like Juju Smith Schuster, Alan Lazard. You've got to do something though, because this group, and I just, you know, they just signed Equinymia St. Brown to a one-year contract extension. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, I'm not sure really why, other than like it's, you know, a cheap thing and you can try to keep a lot of guys here to create competition. That's probably why, but that's not gonna fix the room. So there's that. You've got to, I think, getting a center, like upgrading your center spot, figuring out what you're doing at right tackle, probably even bringing another left tackle in. I mean, not anything really against Braxton Jones. He's had an up and down season, which you expect for a fifth round FCS prospect, but they have needs everywhere is what I'm trying to say. Like They've got a hundred plus million dollars in in salary cap space. So if you need to, if you have the wherewithal to pull off trades and maybe it's even DeAndre Hopkins because, you know, whatever's going Mm. on in, Arizona right now. Car- Kyler Murray's not coming back anytime soon. He just had ACL surgery yesterday. And you have a roster that has some pieces that you might want to offload. I mean, that offensive line, and it's not going to look the same as it is next year. Then someone like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, who went there to go play for a competitive team that has not happened since he got there, he might say, hey, I'm 30. I want out. Like, I want to go somewhere else. Trade me somewhere where I can actually, you know, play in, on a team that can contend eventually for something. Because this could be a two- to three-year process, guys. Like, anybody who yeah. thinks the Bears are a quick fix needs to take a very hard look at the roster this weekend to show you <laughs> what they don't have. You're going to get a front <laughs> to
0: it. Yeah, Courtney, you're awesome because you stole what I was going to say. If I had $100 million and I just bought it up with what the Eagles did with getting A.J. Brown, I'm going mm-hmm. to get – like, I'm going to go get me a guy. Like, I, I really loved – and I said this when the Vikings draft and, and I got it on tape uh, with Fox 9, I think with k everybody. I said this years ago. I loved Chase Claypool. But with Chase Claypool, he's a positional receiver, which means he's going to give you great cor- curls, digs, and outs. He's not going to take the top off. He's not that guy. So you got to go find that guy. Well, who's a guy that you can go deep and say, 50-50, I'm going? You just pull him out. DeAndre Hopkins. Like, if I got that much money, I'm going to utilize my trade value of guys I can get rid of. If, let's just say, Justin Fields. You know you might have the first pick. So maybe trade Justin Fields and see if you can do Justin Fields for DeAndre Hopkins plus whatever you they need because Kyler Murray, like you said, he might not be the guy there. Like, they did pay him. And if they can find a way to unload him, which is probably not going to happen, so that's a dumb trade, but there has to be a way to do it. Um, but when you when you think about that, I, I do say receiver. I look at Juju. I look at Alan Lazard. You got to go find some guys if Justin Fields is your guy. Even if he's not your guy, you got to get your next guy some receivers. Uh, I know everybody wish Marvin Harrison Jr. could come out this year. He can't, uh, but that's going to be a guy that I know next year is going to be the top receiver taking. people are going to really want him. Um other than that, Orlando Brown is a free agent offensive tackle. That's a tackle the Bears could get. Um, and then from there, again, the, the the Ravens, if Lamar Jackson, if they don't get him, then that maybe as a quarterback, you know that works. A quarterback that could do your system. So, yeah, five hundred million dollars million, I'm spending it on offense because I feel like defensively, as long as you have a competent coordinator who can keep you in the top 15, you should be able to compete as long as your offense is just putting up numbers and Teams like the Eagles are starting to show that now. Uh, even the Vikings are showing if you can put up points, you can win these games, even your defense. And their defense is not good, like Courtney pointed out. So I'm spending it on the offense. I'm going to go receivers and offensive tackles and hope I can find a quarterback, whether it is Justin Fields or in the draft.
2: It's too bad, Courtney, that they gave up on Kyris Tonga and Duke Shelley, who have yeah. followings now <laughs> in Minnesota. They're like the best I players they have. Here. Uh, last one. I'm giving you a hundred bucks. I just gave you a hundred million. I'm taking it all away except for a hundred. Uh, you have a hundred dollars <laughs> and you can make a wager on one team to win the Super Bowl right now. Okay. Who are you going to pick?
1: Who? Um, you know, I'm going to take Philadelphia. Mm. I know that they are not the odds on favorite. And I know that the odds, I'm sure, like have changed this week just with Buffalo and, you know, what they're going through right now. Cause like they were, you know, f- far and ahead of, of most uh, in terms of like the Vegas odds recently, but I am going to take Philly because I think Jalen Hurts will be rested by that point. And very clearly, I think that was kind of a, a nice like way to see it last week. That's he's not a system quarterback. Can't just plug and play whoever you want in that offense and expect them to win. So I think you what you were seeing is the true MVP of the league and somebody who can carry this team. I mean, they've got the first round by, They've got to lock up the number one seed in the NFC this week with a win over the Giants. But I, I'm i going to go ahead and say it's Philly.
0: Yeah, if I had $100, um, I'm going to go with the emotional pick. I'm going to still stick. I picked the Bills earlier in the year. I'm going to stick with the Bills. And I think they have even added motivation if uh, if and when, and we pray DeMar Hamlin comes out of this and he's on the sideline, not playing, but just, you know, with the team. Um that's a different emotional lift that you can't create week in and week out. Like, the fact that if they have to play for him every game, uh, they're going to play for him every game. Uh, it is going to weigh heavily on them, I think, for at least a couple weeks. But as they start to get through in just normal football and, and he's back and whether he's just sitting up in his bed or whatever it might be, I just feel like that's one of those movie type of situations uh, where they're going to have an added kind of bonus Uh, of just energy of like, look, my foot hurts, but it's not as bad as what he's going through. My back is sore. It's not as bad as what he's going through. I'm tired. It's not as bad as what he's going through. Um, It's just one of those things that emotionally – um, I, I think some people don't understand how, how that can really just push a team. And we know Stephon Diggs is an emotional guy. I mean, I, I feel bad for any defensive back that's to deal with Diggs going forward because his mindset is no longer BS at any point because you know how quick this can end. And if there was any time for them to, to really just step it up and do something special uh, for not just the city, but the, the their teammates, the family, everything – this is it. so I'm putting my hundred bucks on the Buffalo Bills, and I'm gonna put another. Sam, give me hundred. I'm gonna put another hundred of my own from Christmas from <laughs> on the Bills. Uh, but yeah, I I just think they can pull it off. But I want to thank Courtney Cronin for joining me today on the Ron Johnson Show. Uh, one bonus question, because like any NFL game, it's always overtime. Courtney, my bonus question for you, Courtney: The Packers have a chance to make the playoffs. Do you feel like they're the most dangerous team? In the uh, NFC, as far as wild card goes,
1: if they get in at seven, then yes, because you have a team that started out the season four and eight. And I think Rogers made this comparison the other day about that 2016 team that lost in the NFC Championship game. Like he says that he thinks this team is more talented than that group, and maybe at the running back spot. Um, I didn't think, in looking at that roster from 16 and all the weapons he had on the outside, that that was the case, but there's a lot of similarities you can draw to that group and this group. And the fact is they've made the adjustments necessary. I mean, think about all the number one receivers that they've eliminated out of games for a multitude of reasons. And you can go back to Miami. You can go back to, you know, the, the, you know, last week with Justin Jefferson, like they're going to have a big test in a Monroe St. Brown this week, but they're playing really good ball right now. And it's good for Joe Barry because people are ready to run him out of town. So I think that the Green Bay Packers, should they get in as a seven seed of the most dangerous team in the NFC playoffs? Because it's Aaron Rodgers and you can't really count him out. If he gets in after all that, my money's on him.
0: Well, remember people, if you want endless Vikings talk, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Ministers on YouTube where you can find all of our videos, all of our shows, instant podcasts after every game and the Vikings press conference is delivering all the biggest news. Like our videos and leave your comments in the section below and make sure you download the app on Amazon Fire and Roku. I want to thank you guys and have a great day.